Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. What's up, everyone? It's been a long time since we've recorded. And so this is a quick catch up over the last two, almost three months of us recording. We talk about what we've been up to, the major changes and kind of why we, we weren't able to record over the last couple of months and, and then talk about decision making, talk about decision making and how we can take away some small things each day to make our decision making process a little bit easier. Enjoy the episode. What's up, guys? And gals, ladies and germs, hello everyone. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. We were just looking up and the last time we recorded was sometime in May. So over two months ago, we've been super busy. Sean's been traveling around the world, literally, and has been on a plane like every week for the last two months, or it seems like anyways. And me, I'm actually recording from a new location in Las Vegas, so... Lots has been happening, but we're glad to be back. Yes. You moved, a big move from LA to to Vegas. That's that's pretty crazy. Yep. Sean, you've been, where have you been? You were in uh, the Philippines, went to a bunch of weddings. Yeah, was in the Philippines. Yep. I went to Philippines, Manila to go surprise our team members there, which was awesome. Loved Manila. Funny enough, actually, the first six hours, I didn't love it because where I landed and where we stayed in BGC, Bonifacio uh, Global City, it's like a financial district. Mm-hmm. Like right downstairs from the hotel was Din Tai Fung, Shake Shack, BB.Q. Chick. It was like everything that I have here in Irvine. I was like, I never left Irvine, basically. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but I mean, it's it's... It was kind of infuriating at first. I was like, man, this is how pervasive American culture is. But then I learned like, oh, that's kind of like, it's kind of like a destination for a lot of locals. Like, go check out these spots and whatnot. So it was pretty cool. But the rest of the Philippines and Manila was, um, Manila at least, it, it was awesome. I had a great time there. The people were awesome. Our team members are superb. We had like a team building day. It was supposed to be like a, a brunch for the team. And then obviously Robert and I showed up as a surprise. And so it turned, turned into like team building day. And then we we just like hung out all day and all night, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I, you know, it was like, again, it was our first time meeting each other, right? In person, like 12 or 15 people over there. And, and you know, it's it's always got that also a little bit of the awkward, like, oh, like this is our boss, you know? Yeah. <laughs> our boss is coming in, you know? But we're super chill, obviously. But it was it was still this like dynamic, you know, right? There's always that dynamic, like, are they cool, you know? And so we ended up doing the advanced team building, as they called it, where we went out after dinner and and went to a club and uh and had even more fun. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's advanced team building. <laughs> yeah, advanced team building as they called it. Yeah, then then I was in Bali and Big Sur and Mexico and Actually going back to Mexico for Mila's birthday in two weeks. Nice. To Cabo this time around. Wow. But yeah, the summer is just off the rails. I feel like it's been 
catch up travel for like COVID or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of travel in two months. It is. Yeah. Especially with kids. I remember like the first 30 days, pretty much all June, when we got back, I was like, I'm good. I'm <laughs> good. Yeah. I'm done. I'm good for the year. I just want to stay home. But lo and behold, we're going somewhere else. And we're going to Maine at the end of August as well for Mink's brother's birthday. So it's going to be a little, little gnarly. Maine? Yeah, Portland. Wow. How long is the flight out there? You're literally going to the furthest part of the country from here anyways. Yeah, the opposite corner of the country. Yeah, it's about five, five and a half hours to Boston or Atlanta, and then another hour or two to, to Portland. Wow. Should be exciting, though. It should be, yeah. Her brother lives there. We've been there a couple of times. Obviously, like nowadays, what I'm looking for is like me first thing at Google is like, best golf in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's, there's probably some nice golfing up there. Yeah, there should be. I, I haven't found anything like super close yet, but I'm hoping to find something. On that front, to our listeners, nothing's changed. I'm still addicted to golf. <laughs> I just came off of nine holes in the morning. <laughs> nice. You can tell you're you're totally in golf gear and really, really tan. I am so tan. Like, I am so dark. You have the, uh, the golf tan where you have multiple shades of tans now. I wish everyone could see James and I because we are on screen, two completely different shades. James, like, blends into his white wall. <laughs> and I am, like, I am like a shadow. Yo, it's hot in Vegas. I can't go outside without melting. It was like 115 yesterday. Oh my gosh. That's 46 degrees Celsius. 46? Oh my God. It's pretty hot. But it seems like the United States in general is going into, it has this really huge heat wave. Texas is hot, California, New Mexico, Arizona. It's not just the US. I was reading that uh, like Southern Europe as well, like insanely hot, like Italy, all those places. There's this airport somewhere in the middle, Middle East. I forget where, but they said it was 150 degrees. That's crazy. I think I read somewhere like the maximum temperature that a human can tolerate is like 155 or 160 degrees Fahrenheit. And then you just can't tolerate it. Like you just probably die. Yeah. So when was this? This was July 16th. So about a week ago, the Persian Gulf International Airport in Iran reported a heat index of 152 degrees Fahrenheit which is 66.7 degrees Celsius. Isn't that nuts? That's nuts. Mother Earth is struggling on our Struggles podcast, clearly. Coming back, I think we have very uh, first world problems, struggling with travel. Yeah. Well, your struggles are more real, moving to a completely new city and environment. How's that been? It's been okay. Luckily, I got a good friend that lives out here, so he's been helping me kind of adjust, introducing me to some of his friend groups. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been good. He's trying to help me kind of plug in into his network, finding things to do. Where are you? You're in Henderson, Summerlin? I'm in Henderson in suburbia land. So I went from Redlands, which was, you know, outskirts of LA, also suburbia-ish, kind of, to Las Vegas. I'm about 20 minutes away from the strip. I don't want to live downtown. So this was a kind of a good spot just to try it out for a little bit. It's been nice. I can't say that my day to day has changed too much because I didn't really see very many people living so far from LA, but just getting used to a new environment, 
And luckily I work from home, so work that hasn't changed much. Yeah, but I mean, the one thing though is like from environment perspective, I mean, you have Redlands is what, like over an hour away from LA? Yeah, if there is no traffic, it'd probably be an hour, no problem. But with traffic, hour, hour and a half. Sometimes if, you, if you're going to the coast, it's like two hours. And if you hit traffic. Yeah, versus being like 20 minutes away from the strip, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Already had a couple of visitors. A couple of people came in already, hit me up, saw a few friends. It seems like a lot of people come to Vegas anyway, so you'll be good. Yeah, exactly. And you're much closer to like good food, west side of Vegas, and cheap massage in Chinatown. Man, I miss that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Vegas is known for having good food. Yeah, 100%. It's Koreatown and Chinatown there. I didn't realize how much people talked about the food here off the strip. Oh, dude, off the strip is, I mean, on the strip, yeah, there's like a bunch of really good restaurants, obviously, like your Momofuku's and there's just, just a lot of good restaurants. I'm not much of a food person, so. Wait, do, do you cook for yourself a lot? Not really. I'll use a, I have a hot pot, so I'll just throw stuff in there and make soup and then eat that for a week. Oh, nice. I'm more someone who, I just need to eat for sustenance. Like Purijige style? <laughs> No, it's more, it's probably way more American. I don't know. I pick like a meat and then throw in a bunch of vegetables and that's it. I just eat that for however long it lasts. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bland, actually. I had to learn to use salt and pepper. <laughs> I mean, it sounds healthy. I mean, bland is good. You know, it's better than having a salty diet. Yeah, I guess so. I told some coworkers that if I had a choice... If there was some kind of pill that would give me all the sustenance and nutrients and remove my urge to eat, I would take that pill over having to eat. Is that called Soylent? I think so. Have you ever checked out Soylent? I did. So I did Soylent for when I was in LA about five years ago. I did that for like a year. For people who don't know, Soylent is a meal replacement drink. Each bottle is about 400 calories, I believe. I would have that for breakfast. I'd also eat it for dinner. And then for lunch, I'd actually eat something with coworkers. But I think the biggest thing that I missed when I was on Solent was the chewing. Like I would be full, but I'd also be kind of hungry because I'd want to chew. I'd want to chew on something. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I chewed a lot of gum when I was drinking a lot of Solent. I just don't like eating. It's just a chore. Also, the anno most annoying thing about eating is having to decide what to eat. It's a real struggle right there. <laughs> oh, man, that's such a, another first world problem. Sorry, that, this sounds horrible of me. Yes and no. Not, I mean, not really. I think your willingness to eat or not eat, like it's not going to help starving kids elsewhere. You know, It's not really going to impact them. But I just thought about what I said. I feel like a douche. <laughs> no, but why is that? That's actually interesting. I, I didn't know that about you. Is eating a struggle for you? Or is just like the thought of like, figuring out what to eat. For example, if we lived together and I cooked every single meal for you and just had food available, would you eat it? Yeah, I'd eat it when I get hungry. And that would be the best part, right? Having a personal chef to make me food and I don't have to think about what to eat would eliminate that decision process. I think that's the most annoying part when I get really hungry and I'm just thinking, oh, what do I eat? I see. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is hard, especially when you get hangry. Yeah, it, it is hard. That's why it's like I've learned that now, like Mink and I, like we plan ahead. Like we talk like a full meal ahead, like what we might have for dinner, just so that once the time comes, like we don't have to try to make a decision when we're hangry because that that shit does not work well for anybody. But you know that that just that's more of a motivation, you know, to find a partner <laughs> or a roommate that loves to cook. <laughs> oh, that yeah, that'd be sweet. Or find a partner with a mother-in-law <laughs> that loves to cook. It is a real struggle. I mean, I, I know it sounds like a first world problem, but it's a unique first world problem in its own right, in my opinion, because we have so much choice that we actually have a curse of choice. There's a saying that, uh, or I think it's a study somewhere, you actually have a limited quota of decision-making skills every single day. I don't know what the basis of that theory is, but it's this idea that like more decisions you have to make, it's taxing, I think, because to make a decision, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into play. Let's just take food, for example. How hungry am I? Like, what kind of food do I have in the fridge to cook? What do I want to cook? And the cooking process, the prep process, then the, like the cleanup process, like there's a lot of decisions that need to be made. And the more decisions we remove for ourselves and make it more seamless, it helps you supposedly focus on making better decisions elsewhere in your life. That was the whole reason why there are some people who wear the same thing every day, like Steve Jobs. Yeah. He had an outfit that he wore every single day. That's right. And he did it for removing the decision process of what to wear in the morning. One of the decisions I remember early on that I decided to just remove was where to get gas. Because hmm. at least back in Michigan, it was always just like, oh, like, which gas station is like 10 cents cheaper? Do I go to this gas station or that gas station? I like calculated out. I was like, all right, I'm 15 gallons for a typical car. I'm saving like a buck 50. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so I, I consciously, after I remember reading that book or hearing that study, I like consciously decided to remove that decision. I was like, who the fuck cares? If I need gas, I'm just going to go wherever there's gas. There's two places I would avoid in LA. One was in Beverly Hills, one's in downtown LA. They charge a full dollar more, obviously. It was like, don't get gas there. But anywhere else, I, I was just like, I'm not going to think about this. Like to this day, I, I don't even look at, I mean, I get gas from Costco every single time, but I don't even look at how much it costs. I was like, what does it matter? Like, I, I need gas, you know? Yeah. Is that like, I'm going to stop and not get gas today because it's 20 cents more expensive. And that's, you know, a very privileged thing to say. But I, I think for most people listening, that's a decision that we can remove. I remember over time, I slowly try to remove inconsequential decisions in my life. Same with clothing. I do something very similar. If I find a shirt or a pair of pants that I like, which I'm wearing right now, I will go buy six of them in the same color. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I buy six because I'm just going to wear it for like five years. <laughs> like no joke. I, I literally, I'm finally retiring some t-shirts that I've been wearing for 10 fucking years. I don't think I bought new clothes in a long time. I only wear, what did I do last? I went to Uniqlo and just bought two black t-shirts, two gray t-shirts, and then another two black t-shirts. And that's what I wear. <laughs> I just have these t-shirts. They're just simple. You know, with pair of jeans that I like. Yeah, I mean, that's, it definitely simplifies like one area. Again, one less decision to make in the morning. It's just, I have the same pants, different colors. And crazy thing is like, I don't even care what the colors matching is. Like, I, it doesn't matter what the combination is. It's just the pants and the shirt. <laughs> and I will say like, 
if I were to think about the time after I made those changes, it definitely helped me a lot more. Even with food, so this is kind of my trick with food. We had the same problems before, even you know without my mother-in-law, because you know half the time she needs a break, and and so we'll either cook something, I'll cook something, or we'll um, get some takeout or something. But even for takeout or for cooking, I have a list. I have a list that I wrote down, especially for miles, because I have to cook for miles as well. So I have a list of like different types of meals and. It makes it easy for me when I go shopping, and makes it easy when I'm trying to decide what what to offer him today. And then I literally just go down the list. Or if it's like restaurants, like I literally just go down the list of restaurants that we we like, versus like having to think about oh what restaurants around here again. Because when you don't have that, when I didn't have that list, we would always default to fucking Chick Fil A. <laughs> me too. The avocado salad, chicken salad. <laughs> I am fucking signature platinum member at Chick Fil A <laughs> for the year. Because at the beginning of the year, like, went there so much because it's just such an easy decision for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, except for Sundays. Sundays were painful because Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. I guess you just had to starve. <laughs> but not anymore. But seriously, like, after I, I, like, I remember this happening around February, March. I just, I just, like, fuck it. I'm just going to make a list and just simplify our lives. At least removes one less thinking. Man, I don't remember where I read this, but having a list especially when you go grocery shopping, also helps you avoid making bad decisions. Because at grocery stores, they want you to buy the sugary snacks and all the chips and all that stuff, right? That's why at checkout, that's where all that good stuff is. And it's because by that point, you've already made all these decisions on what to get. And now you don't have the self-control to say no to some of these junk food items. So if you have a list, you know clearly what you want when you walk into a grocery store or any kind of store, you go and you get it and then you get out. And that helps you even in some ways, like stay a little bit healthier in what you're eating. Yeah, absolutely. I always end up getting candy. (laughs) Well, the funny thing about um, sugar, at least for me, how I cut it out is I, this is kind of a life hack. Uh, I was reading somewhere that like you have sugar cravings because your stomach is your second brain. Right. Have you heard of that before? Mm-hmm. Right. And it actually makes a lot of decisions for you. When you eat a lot of sugary, carby foods, carbs break down to sugar, it feeds the yeast in your gut. There's like bacteria, obviously, throughout your entire body, but there's like good bacteria and bad bacteria, which is yeast. And so all that sugar and carbs feed the yeast, and then you have an overgrowth of yeast in your body, in your gut. And that in turn is telling you to like get more sugar because it wants to eat sugar. Right. And so how I combated that, at least what I read, and it works, was to consistently take a lot of probiotics. So you kind of like hamper down on, on the yeast. So the good bacteria takes over the bad bacteria, and then you just don't have as much sweet cravings. No, oh, I didn't know that. That's good to know. I need to do that. Yeah. This is an interesting conversation that we like kind of just fell into about decision making because there, there's obviously active decisions that we make, right, that we consciously make. And then clearly there are a lot of decisions that are, I want to say, sadly enough, made for us, like that one that I just talked about, where literally, you know, our, our stomach, our second brain is like telling us what it wants, especially when you're hungry or when you're hangry. So yeah, a line at Costco, <laughs> great uh, probiotic. I get this one uh, from Whole Foods. It's also pretty good. Take it every day, twice a day. Like when you read the studies on it, it makes logical sense. Like yeast wants more sugar. 
And so it's kind of like telling your body, it's like, give me more sugar. <laughs> there's definitely a biological need for sugar. There, there's no doubt. I have like sugar in the coconut water I'm drinking right now. But the quantity of sugar, the amount, that's the cause of concern. Yeah. So yeah, on the family front, just to catch everybody up, kids are doing great. Where we left off, you know, there were a lot of struggles with Miles around, obviously, his eating habits, tantrums, but a lot of patience has really helped us push through. Uh, potty training, that was another thing. I think we were just starting. Yeah. How's that? It's fantastic. Nice. It was like a roller coaster ride, to be honest. But overall, you know, we started this mid-April, I remember, during his spring break. And so I must have talked about it on the last episode. But, you know, he's he's going by himself. No accidents. Wow. He tells us, and we prompt him often. He didn't even wear pull-ups anymore. Wow. He wore pull-ups for like the first two months. Now it's just like he hasn't worn pretty much a diaper in three weeks. That's awesome. It is pretty awesome. And it's not a frustrating experience. The other thing we changed was his, uh, his diet. We've been giving him prunes and he's, you know, super constipated all the time. But uh, I found a lot of like high fiber snacks and fruits, like cereal, basically, that he enjoys. And now he's going like regularly every two, three days, which is very regular for him versus like every six, seven days. Yeah. <laughs> five to seven days. To the point, I do have a funny story to tell everybody. To the point where like we went to Mexico, right, a month ago. He like hadn't pooped for like seven days, I think, before the trip. So like Mink gave him like Miralax for like two days straight. Uh -huh. We got to Mexico and there's this like awesome pirate ship swimming pool for kids, kids pool. And we're like having a good time. He comes down the tube of the fucking pirate ship in the back of the pirate ship. And it like just, he just splashes and just turns brown in the water. Oh no. I was just like, oh my God get everybody out of the pool oh no basically miles shut down the pool for like a day <laughs> oh my gosh but it was a resort so there are like six other pools but you know the the, the kid pool was shut down for all day oh uh, they have to like clean it out oh poor guy good thing he's not gonna remember that absolutely not i mean we weren't i mean now that's on record but i think as with everything in life it's just being patient that things take time and everything's like a two steps forward, one step back sort of situation where there are going to be setbacks. There are going to be days where just like, you know, what the fuck? I thought we were like making so much progress, even with his feeding and all this stuff. He's just doing amazing. There's just really nothing to struggle about there anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. It took us about seven months on this journey, seven or eight months since last October. I think I've been talking about like the food pickiness, you know, in it. During that time, it felt like this was the shit was never going to end. Like it was just like, when's this going to get better? But you know, seven months later, it's he's normal, he's happy, he's everything's good. And then Mila's obviously she's just a happy baby, so everything's good there. She's turning one in two weeks. That's crazy. It's crazy. Happy baby, Miles, not constipated. Yeah, things look good. Everything is good there. Golf game's getting better. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Again, another one of these things that after eight months, it's finally kind of culminating where like I have a swing. Obviously, consistently like hitting the swing is one thing, but I feel pretty confident going out there. And when I mess up, like I know why. And it's not this like, 
I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like every time I'm, you know, up to swing, I'm just like, okay, <laughs> who knows how this is going to turn out? <laughs> you know, could be good, could be bad. Could go left, could go right, could go backwards. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now it's just like, it's going where I wanted to go and the distance. If anything, it's like going too far because, you know, my swing is getting very efficient. Right. And so that's like my latest issue is like my seven iron can go 160 yards or it could go 180 yards. Wow. Which is just, but on average, it's like 160, 165. That's a good problem to have. Dude, that's awesome. It is a good problem to have. And literally, like three weeks ago, I was just like losing, like, I basically regressed so much. I was shooting in like the mid 115, 120s, like literally. Whoa. It was so bad. I wanted to quit almost, but. I, I couldn't quit because <laughs> I'd already bought the lessons. Yeah, the thought was there. Damn. Yeah. I lost two rounds in a row. I think I lost like over a dozen balls each round. Woof. Wow. Because my driver was just so errant. I was just push slicing it into the rough. I just said Strawberry Farms and, um, and I shot a 120, I think 121 at Green River, which was just like, <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Damn. Sort of thing. Because I'm losing so many balls, I'm, I'm literally losing at least, let's say, if I'm losing a dozen balls, I'm losing at least 12 strokes or just a penalty stroke. If I'm hitting a 112, it's just like that's 12 strokes or just penalty. Like, I don't even get a chance to hit it. Those are Costco Kirkland balls, right? They're not Pro V ones. No, they're Pro V ones. Uh, <laughs> Painful. I have like two sleeves of Kirkland's in my bag now, just in case those days happen. But for the past, week week and a half i literally lose like two balls around at most which is freaking awesome like that's just no provision you know less provisionals yeah but yeah that's you know very condensed version of that kind of roller coaster journey as well it goes to show that like a lot has happened in the past two months for us it overall it's you know trending in the right direction but it definitely wasn't a smooth ride <laughs> yeah for sure so actually i i hit my one year for being a sales associate about a week ago. Congrats. Yeah. And just thinking about that journey. That's crazy. Feels like it's been like forever. Yeah. It feels like forever. Honestly, this this job is one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. I don't know how much longer I can do it, to be very honest. But I know that there is like I have an ultimate, a higher goal, right? A higher purpose to get to to be able to close and sell business on my own. And there's another six months to a year of training to do that. Sometimes it feels like I'm going backwards. It feels like I'm regressing in my skills to be able to talk to people, to be able to cold call people. And it doesn't actually ever get easier. You think that at some point it's going to get easier, but you become more I guess, comfortable with the uneasiness. Hmm. I don't know if this really relates to a golf swing, but every swing... You have to focus. You can't just not really think about your swing. And after a hundred, a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand times that you do it, at any point you could fuck up. So it's not necessarily that things get easier. It's just you become more comfortable with your routine, your your process. You just like keep swinging. I'm at a point where I'm just I'm still swinging. I'm just continuing to swing, but I do have to take a step back and kind of think about how I'm approaching a lot of my swings now, a lot of my cold calls. So slowly improving there. I still think I have a lot to improve on. But man, it's tiring. Can't believe it's been a year. I think 
the deception is that like people like mink will like look at me and be like oh like you're having fun with golf you know i'm like 80 percent of the time i'm not <laughs> sometimes yeah but a lot a lot of times no yeah most times you're just so frustrated it's the 80 20 rule like 80 percent of the time like i'm not fucking having fun you're like why am i doing this i don't understand <laughs> and i'm spending money to do this you know like but you know like I think that's the one thing to keep in mind is like a lot of things in life, it's it's a grind. It's a grind until it gets better. Some certain things might seem like it's more enjoyable than than others or it's like from the outside, but it's still a fucking grind. Yeah. Maybe it's about that you like something enough that you're willing to go through the grind. Like Sean, you enjoy golf enough that you are willing to put through the work to get better at it. I can't say that 100%. I was actually talking to somebody about this on Friday. I was uh, being interviewed by this student and it was a question around like, oh, like, how do you know, like, when you need to focus, when you need to quit? It's a very delicate balance between how much do you focus and and how much do you quit? How often do you quit? Uh, And Seth Godin's always like, you know, there's a whole book on this called The Dip about knowing when to quit, right? But then there's also like these questions about like, oh, I'm like too scatterbrained. I'm not focused enough. I quit too often. And so when I think about how I make my decisions to stick with something, there's definitely always a higher arching goal. And the goal is to get to a proficient enough level where I can hang with other golfers. This has always been a business decision, actually, for golf. Because I know like there's interesting personalities, like people that play golf. It's kind of like business school. Like I want to be able to hang with them for whatever, you know, personal and business reasons. And so that's like actually the push. It's not the game itself. Because I, I don't like follow golf religiously. I'll watch it now once in a while. But if anything, the second reason is just like I enjoy the scenery. But 80% of the time, I'm so fucking focused. Like I'm not really enjoying much of anything. You know, That's how I stick with things. Not to say I stick with everything. There's a lot of things I, I don't follow through on or that I quit. But the things I do decide to follow through on, I'm very patient with it. I tell myself to be very patient with it. And there's always like an overarching objective. It keeps me going. Food for thought. Yeah. And on that note, this will end it here. This was a, an update episode. I don't know if we could update everything in just 30 minutes or so, but it was good to catch up on, on this stuff again. Yeah. All right, y'all. James obviously just had a big move, so there's there's still a lot of moving pieces for for you. But once things you know settle down a bit, we should be able to get back on our cadence more regularly. Yeah. Enjoy the week, everyone. We'll see you guys later. Take care.